Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Yes, it's true. We're back after a week off. We're here. We were on assignment. <laughs> is that is that what it was? Can we say we were on yes. a field trip assignment? And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully you saw the pictures that were posted on our uh, social media accounts. Uh, what what is it? Facebook and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram at sibling rivalry BB. And then and, Twitter. Yep, at sibling rivalry BB without the A. And then of course our uh, I don't think the pictures that we uh, we took are posted up on our website yet, but no, not yet, but they will be. SiblingRivalryBB.com. Yeah, more info about Oscar Huber Memorial Park in Madrid, New Mexico. Just in case you were wondering how that was pronounced. It's a it's a quaint little town, and uh, the baseball field's kind of cool when you think about that. Uh, they actually, it was an actually a minor league. Back in the day, the minor leagues were in all kinds of weird places. You know, yeah. now they're in a little more strategic, depending on their levels. But there's not a lot of, you know, odd. Flow. And that's a little tiny. It's a dinky little place. It's got some touristy along the main street, but the rest of it's really not sure why people live there. I, I don't really know either. It just, I mean, it started because there was, you know, coal mining, and that's how the ballpark got started. And that's why uh, people live and there. And then it, right? And but then uh, after that. It's there's a lot of artists that live there, um, kind of off the beaten path, I guess. So yeah, it's kind of a cool place. So that's what we were off doing: uh, graduations and uh, baseball field visiting. And had we known that the blues festival was going to be going on, we could have figured that into the whole thing as well. Anyway, so we're back. We're gonna. Do like we normally do. We got uh, stuff to talk about around baseball. We'll spin the wheel. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, kind of a reversal of fortune since our last episode. Things have really changed. And we'll get to to that. Uh, But first, it's time to find out where the regionals are and who's playing where in the NCAA baseball playoffs on the road to the College World Series. So this last week we had um, all the tournaments going on for all the different conferences. I watched a little of the Pac-12 conference, a crazy game between UCLA and Oregon State. It ended up uh, 25 to 22 was the final score. I think I even texted you and said, we got uh, spring football going on at the Pac-12 tournament in Scottsdale. Uh, ACC, SEC, all the tournaments uh, were going on to set this up, the Division One Baseball Championship. Yeah, we're getting close to the uh, road to Omaha just as a primer of Division One Baseball, if in the tournament, if you're not uh, familiar, there are 31 automatic bids that come through conference championships. So if you won your conference, you get an automatic bid. Um, And then there are 33 at-large entrants. So the first round of play 
is known as the regional, and it is a double elimination format. Each of the 16 number one seeds host its respective four-team regional uh, when possible, because sometimes, you know, the field isn't quite what the NCAA wants. So, but most of the time, it's going to be the host. They're going to be the host. Uh, number one faces number four. Number two faces number three. And then the winners of those two games then play each other, and the losers play an elimination game. Then it goes from regionals to super regionals. So the winner of each regional advances to the super regional. And that includes 16 teams, and it's a best-of-three format. And then the winners of the Super Regionals, there's eight teams in all, go to Omaha. And Omaha is a double elimination format until the final two teams, which then that is a best-of-three series. All right, so, so clear as mud. Clear as mud. So the Regionals start tomorrow, June 3rd. And like I said, the, uh, the top 16 teams host... Generally, they host. And as you said, occasionally somebody will play at a different park because their park just isn't up to speed for um, their fills not up to speed to host a regional per NCA. They've got guidelines, I'm sure. So the top 16 teams to finish off the season, uh, pretty easy to figure out who number one was. If you've been paying attention, Tennessee, they've been on top of it. And they're going to host their regional there in Knoxville. They take on Alabama State uh, in their first round. Um, Stanford was number two. Oregon State at number three. So two Pac-12 teams uh, right there. Virginia Tech at number four. Texas A&M in at number five. Miami at number six. Oklahoma State at number seven. East Carolina at number eight. The preseason number one, and at one time completely out of the the top uh, teams, Texas ends up at number nine, uh, North Carolina at 10, Southern Miss at 11, Louisville at 12, Florida in at 13, Auburn at 14, Maryland at 15, and Georgia Southern is the 16th rated team. So those are the 16 teams that all are hosting. And when you look at it, there's quite a few SEC teams, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Pac-12-wise, it was just Oregon and Stanford. So they each get to be, those are the number one seeds in each of their regions. And then as you explained, the regionals will play over the weekend, double elimination, uh, and then uh, the super regionals will uh, take place between the 10th and the 12th or the 11th through the 13th. And then uh, the College World Series fires up on June 17th. That, as well, is a double elimination. And uh, we'll get all the pairings once uh, once we get to that point uh, as to who's left over. Yeah, and if you like to fill out brackets, there's a bracket for each regional. So you can paper your uh, refrigerator with all of them. And fill them out just like March Madness. Because we always had a bracket on our refrigerator growing up. And I always remember uh, dad would, you know, always write in the teams. But sometimes he'd let me and I'd always think, oh, that's so cool. I get to write the team in today. <laughs> so if you're into brackets, there's quite a few of them. Very true. Uh, some, uh, some notables along the way here. Vandy will be playing uh, in, the Oregon, in Oregon State's region. 
Uh, UCLA will be playing in Auburn. Those are number two teams. Uh, and then, uh, like, LSU doesn't have to go far. Uh, another team that uh, that made it in, Army West Point. So the cadets at West Point will be uh, playing this year. Grand Canyon, a number three seed in the Oklahoma State region. Santa Barbara, who we saw kind of come on towards the end there and make it into the top 25. They're number three seed. They're playing in Stanford's bracket. So not a long road for them. Kind of the northern tip of Southern California up to Northern California, to the southern tip of Northern California. Also, you mentioned Army. The Air Force Academy is also um, in the mix in the uh, Austin. They'll be playing in Austin in that regional. And this is their first appearance since 1969. Wow. And, yeah, I see uh, that. Yes. They're playing Texas to start it off. They're in the same uh, uh, Louisiana Tech and Dallas Baptist are in their uh, in their region. And I think there's two teams. I know Hofstra has never been in the Division One tournament for baseball, and I think Cop and State also are the two. I know Hofstra. Definitely. Binghamton. So there's always is another Binghamton. team that's okay. going to be playing. I don't know if they've never made it before or not, but. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the really cool things, I think, with the College World Series is you have these teams. Because like I said, there's 31 teams that got automatic bids because they won their conference. But there's conferences, you know, we always hear the Pac-12, the Big 12, you know, the Big East, WAC, you know, the Western um, Athletic Conference. You hear those more SEC, obviously, even the ACC. But then you have these smaller conferences and you have um, baseball teams that you just didn't really hear a lot about because Tennessee has dominated the Division One baseball world. I mean, they're 53 and 7. It's a ridiculous right. record <laughs> going in. So, um, yeah, when it'll you be look through the records of the see. other teams that are, are going in, nobody has a record like that. Everybody's got double-digit losses, uh, a lot of them over 20 uh, losses on the season. When you when you look at some of these, you know that, not to say that Kennesaw State, which is in out of Georgia, may not have a good team in their league, but that's probably they were probably an automatic bid. Because you never heard about right. them during the season. I know that uh, University of New Mexico is the what what's close to you, but um, New Mexico State made it in yeah, with a losing Aggies. record, twenty four right. and thirty two. Yeah. And you know it's funny because uh, the University of New Mexico, the Lobos, they had a better record um, than NMSU, but you know sometimes uh, they're a, they're in the rebuilding process, I guess, down at UNM. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see uh, New Mexico State in there, but you know, who knows? You never know. They could be a Cinderella team. Another one I was looking at is uh, Michigan or Central Michigan. Sorry, Central Michigan. They're in the Gainesville Regional, which is hosted by Florida, and they're forty-two and seventeen. And I'm like, hmm, they might be a team to watch, but another team that we just didn't hear about when we were, you know, looking at the standings. Now we did hear a little bit and I'm sorry, I'm sketchy on the details, but you brought up Michigan. Michigan had a pitcher who was tossed from a game for using illegal substances. He was in his glove and they kept seeing him go to his glove and rub his hand in his glove. 
and they found sticky substance in his glove and that immediately got him tossed. I don't know what the long-term effect for him is on that. If he misses out on this, but Michigan is the, uh, I think the number three seed in their region uh, in Louisville. Like I said, all this fires up uh, this weekend uh, and we'll, uh, we'll check in next week to see who's moved on and uh, to the super regionals as we uh, edge ever closer to Omaha and the College World Series. I do want to mention that last year's, do you remember who last year's College World Series winner was? Um, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I remember watching uh, Missis- it. Yeah, Mississippi State. All right. But Out of start. There will be no... Yeah, there will be no repeat this year. They did not get a bid. Uh, they ended with a 26-30 and 30 record. So no team has repeated as national champions at the Division I level since South Carolina in 2010 and 2011. So, yeah, and then uh, Florida State is making its record 44 straight appearance in the NCAA tournament. And as we mentioned before, SEC, ACC lead all Comers with nine bids apiece. Uh, next in line is Big 12 and the Pac-12 with five bids. And as you said, all of this leads to Omaha, and we will be on that road virtually. Not we'd rather be literally. <laughs> we roadkill. We're gonna get run over, and we're just gonna be laying there. Well, <laughs> maybe I don't know. We'll see. That's not my goal. We'll just be watching along with everyone else. Right. We'll be watching along with you. So we'll check that out next week as to uh, how the first weekend uh, of the uh, Division One baseball championship goes. It's time for Dodger baseball. So two weeks ago when we did the show, we did the podcast, the funeral music was playing. The Dodger season was over. The state of Pennsylvania owned the Dodgers. Luckily, they didn't make any bets or anything like, hey, you know, we'll change the name to, of Dodger Stadium to to the, the Philly Pirates uh, house. Do like they do at the Rams game. Whose house? The Phillies house. Luckily. And then as if a switch was flipped, things changed. The rain stopped. Actually, they'd have been happy with rain during that time frame because they'd get some rain outs and not gone through all that. And you got to you gotta think, when you look at this team, this Dodger team, because even through that bad week, and they, they did fall out of first place for a second, you know, maybe a second and a half. A second and a half too long. Right. But when you look <laughs> at it, here's a team that it feels like half of the team isn't doing anything that there's struggles going on. We know we'll talk more about Max Muncy in a couple minutes, but Max Muncy's having a hard time. He leads everybody in on base percentage because he's walking a lot, but he can't hit. Yeah. I mean, he has a 150 batting average. Right. It's like the, of, of like qualifiers. The he's got the lowest in the league, but his, his on base percentage is better than everybody else's because he's walking all the time. You know, when you look at it and you think of all the issues, Cody Bellinger has had his moments, but he's still not the Cody that everybody's expected since his MVP season. The things that we weren't seeing during that time, we're starting to see Mookie pick it up. 
Freddie Freeman has pretty much been the mostly the only one that's been truly consistent. Once he started up, he's been pretty consistent. Yeah, he has an off game here or there, but if he has one bad day, the next day he makes up for it, or the next two he makes up for it. Justin Turner, seems like he's finally coming around. But through all this struggles, through all these struggles and pitching struggles, they've still kept themselves in a position And as of Sunday, they were one game better than the Yankees. So right now, the two best teams in baseball are the two most legendary teams in baseball, the Dodgers and the Yankees. Now, I looked at the two weeks that we missed just to get a view, see what was happening. Sure. After they got done with the Phillies, the D-backs came in for four games. There was a doubleheader in there. They swept the Diamondbacks. And then they played the Phillies again. And this time in Philadelphia, they played better two, two and one in that, uh, that series. They, they took that series. They went down to Washington. They should have swept that, but they ended up taking two of the three there. And then they went to Phoenix and swept the D-backs again. Yeah. I mean, I think Freddie Freeman said, once you win three, you want to win the fourth one, so get kind of greedy. <laughs> Dodger fans I'm okay like with I that. feel Be like greedy when it comes to those things. Yeah, I feel like you know. Last time we had the the dirges playing, the funeral music, and now we need like the the trumpet flourishes. You know, dun da da da. The, the Happy it is days for the Dodgers. Are here again. <laughs> the right. Dodgers I... are. The Dodgers have won again. Happy days are here again. Yeah, I like it. What twelve and like two it. over the two week with the five and one week when they played, uh, you know, between Washington and the Diamondbacks. Now I am a little worried because of what's coming up for them. But let's uh, let's take a look and see. Now, one thing that I did notice was that when they took on the Diamondbacks, David Peralta hit a home run. And isn't that what he said they do? That's what they do. They they hit home runs and they turn double plays. That's well, he do. at least got that. And I'm sure there was a couple of double plays <laughs> during that series. And lots of challenges. Well, we'll talk about that. But let's go to Washington first. All right. What was happening in the Cherry Blossoms? Did they wear their city connects? I didn't notice. I don't think they did. I don't know. I don't. They did not. They did not Which wear is their good. city connects. It's not that good. And we're going to talk a little more about city connects today. Yeah. All right. So some in good, Washington, two, two and one, they, they took two of the three. What were some highlights for you in that series? Uh, Tyler Anderson, eight shutout innings. I mean, when you think of the Dodgers and you're thinking of their pitching staff, what are the names that come to mind? Obviously, we know Clayton Kershaw is on the IL right now, but you think of Walker Bueller, you're thinking of Julio Urias. You're not probably thinking of Tyler Anderson, but Tyler Anderson has been 
consistent. And in this first game with the Nationals, uh, Dodgers win 10 to 1, but it was it was Tyler Anderson with eight shutout innings. I mean, gave up five hits, eight strikeouts. And that's the highlight for me there. And then at the plate, Mookie Betts, two for three. Freddie Freeman, three for five. Gavin Lux, two for three. Um, and then you had others coming in um, and help, you know, uh, Trey, uh, one for four. Will Smith, um, Cody Bellinger was one for four. Um, so it all worked together for, you know, just a runaway 10 to one game. And then we look at the next night. Mookie Betts was supposed to have the night off, but he did not, which was good for the Dodgers because the Dodgers ended up winning that game nine to four. Oh, I'm going to get the night off. Oops, I'm not getting the night off. I hit two home runs. That's what Mookie Betts says. You know, why not? Four RBIs, three for four in that game. Trey Turner coming back to play in Washington for the first time since he had been traded. Who is behind? Who is the pitcher? Josiah Gray. Who is catching? Kibor Ruiz. Those are the two guys that were traded from the Dodgers so that the Dodgers could get Turner and Scherzer. Unfortunately for Josiah Gray, he did not have a good outing. He gave up three home runs in that game, um, but great for the Dodgers. Again, like I said, Betts had a home run. Uh, Trey had a home run. Chris Taylor had a home run. Um, Walker Bueller, we got to talk about Walker. He went six innings, gave up six hits, two runs, two walks, only three strikeouts. So they call him Butane. But I'm wondering if the tank is empty. I've noticed that there haven't been, even collectively, there's not been a lot of strikeouts this season compared to in the past. And there's a lot of people going hungry. Yeah. Because they're not getting the jumbo jacks. You need those jumbo jacks, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's up with Walker. I mean, he was a Cy Young you know, in the running for Cy Young last season. Um, and he just is struggling. And I don't know if it's a mechanical thing. It doesn't seem like it is. But right. is it? Is it a, me- you know, is there like a mental thing? I don't know. I'm hopefully Mark Pryor will maybe kind of pinpoint that, figure that out. Yeah, because he's just, he just is not the Bueller we're used to. The next game, the game that the Dodgers lost, not a lot to report at the plate. They were shut out. But Julio Rios was on the mound. He pitched well, six innings, gave up four hits, only one run. But again, three walks, three strikeouts. So got to work on those, you know, the strikeouts. Again, you only get three. And there was no run support, obviously, for Julio. So, yeah, shut out for the Dodgers. And I think... This was the Nats. The Nationals had not defeated L.A. since Game 5 of the National League Division Series in 2019. I know that sounds like a crazy stat, but it's true. And they did it with the one to nothing win. And I'm sure the Dodgers were happy to be out of D.C. after that game. Yeah, those are the things, though, that make you wonder what's happening with them. You know, do they need something else? That's... You know, we don't know. Pitching-wise, one night somebody's on. Like I said, Tyler, like you said, Tyler Anderson, surprise. You know, 
eight innings pitch there. I mean, the week before he threw seven innings and struck out seven, you know, against the D backs, he had a pretty decent outing. Julio one game. It just seemed like it was a bullpen game. Yeah. You know, there was that. It just, there's there, there, when you look at it, uh, Tony Gonsolin didn't look too bad in his outings, uh, over this last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, I'll bring Tony up in here and we're talking about Arizona. Um, but you know, like I said, when you talk about and you think about Dodger pitching, you're thinking of Urias, you're thinking of uh, Bueller, obviously um, Kershaw. But the two guys that are really stepping up and they were the ones that were piggybacking off of each other to begin the season, Tony Gonsolin and uh, Tyler Anderson. And now the Dodgers need them to be starters. and Tony Gonsolin's five and zero. I mean, he's got the best record on the on the team, uh, on the pitching staff. So it's great. I love seeing it. I've always been a big uh, Gonsolin fan um, since he, you know, made his debut. And uh, Emma Tyler Anderson, I like that little that little hitch, that little step he's got. Tyler Andy in control. <laughs> That's right. The other thing too is we talked in in uh, you look at that one game. It was only you know, one to nothing. But the games previous, the Dodgers scored 10 runs and they scored nine runs. And then the third game, they can't do anything. And it's like, okay. That's when you say something. Why didn't you save something? You, yeah. you got it all out there. Well, to make up for it, they get to Arizona and whatever happened in Washington, their first night in Arizona, they put the world on notice that that was a fluke, that they didn't score any runs the night before. Because they the must have been before. saving it for this first game in Arizona. Um, probably, too, because the last time they faced Arizona in Arizona, it was like a comedy of errors and just <laughs> was bad. This time they come in and they're swinging and it is 14 to 1. Mookie bets 3 for 5. Uh, Freddie Freeman, who got heckled the whole night by some guy who was like, you're a sellout. I used to like you. I mean, bring this guy wherever the Dodgers are playing because Freddie Freeman was four for five, five RBIs, a double, and a home run. So let's Makes me let's wonder what he'll do when they in. go to Atlanta because he's going to have a oh. whole stadium of those kind of yeah. guys. Yeah, and it, you know, you think, where was this guy? I mean, he, it was, you could hear him. I mean, obviously not just while you're watching the game, but you could hear um, somebody kind of, I heard it better once I watched it later, but during the game, you could hear somebody, Freddie, Freddie, you know, and, and just you're a sellout and you're, you know, you're a loser. <laughs> like, okay, if that's what gets him going, you're on the payroll. You're, <laughs> you're, right. you're the heckler. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to take you everywhere we go. That's right. Chris Taylor had a home run. Uh, Mookie Betts had a double. Freddie had a double. Justin Turner had a double. Cody had a double. Uh, Chris Taylor had a double. Trey Turner had a triple. Um, 24 hits. And uh, Edwin Rios, three for six. Uh, just, I mean, this is like the lineup that you're looking at and you're like one through nine, they're hitting. That's what you know, when people look at the lineup. Um, so, and Mitch White, 
um, he started the game, but more as uh, you know, more of a bullpen game there. Went four innings, gave up two hits, had two walks and two strikes. So, yeah, this is the game that you're like, yes, this is the Dodgers, fourteen to one. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw that too. Was like, this is exactly when you look through the lineup. Everybody's got multiple hits. It seems like, or and if they don't, there's one guy who doesn't have. He has one hit or he has no hits. But they're walking, you know, there wasn't that many strikeouts. They're, they're hitting with runners in scoring position. They're not yeah, leaving they're taking, a lot of people on base. Right, yeah, they're taking opportunities and, you know, making runs out of them. So, yeah, I mean, this is a great game. Second game, our old pal, Madison Bumgarner, on the mound. And I have to say, they wore their City Connect jerseys uh, and... The first time I saw them last season, I was like, oh, those are pretty cool. This time around, they look like old timer <laughs> uniforms because of the color, I guess. And I know yeah. that sounds crazy because it's the same uniform from last year. But maybe it was Madison Bumgarner on the mound wearing it with his big beard. And he looked like he would be pitching in the 1800s. Maybe he 1800s. was you know, part of the uh, Madrid Miners. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that's just what it looked like to me. The serpent days. That's right. But the Dodgers got the best of their old pal, Bumgarner. Uh, won the game 6-4. to four. He gave up three home runs. Three home runs. Madison Bumgarner, six innings, seven hits, five runs, two walks, three strikeouts, three home runs, two. Mookie Betts. Trey Turner and Edwin Rios were all part of that uh, hit parade against uh, against Mad Bum. It's too um, bad that Will Smith didn't hit his home run from Sunday against Bumgarner. Yes. It's too bad because Will Smith's home run went in the pool. And we know, know. how <laughs> Bumgarner is about people hitting his pitches into water. Right. He It's very upsetting to him. And, but... Would Will Smith say to him, go get it out of the pool? I don't think that he would. He doesn't seem like the He type. doesn't have the same the, the same mojo that uh, Max has or Max. Yeah. Had. Max has been kind of you can kind of see it in his face. That yeah. There's something going on there and he's not right in a baseball sense. Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, great game. Second game in this game, uh, they had another bullpen game. Ryan Pepio's back, um, brought him back from Oklahoma city four and a third innings, gave up a run, did have five strikeouts, um, and three walks. And then after that, Craig Kimbrell came in the game because he's the closer and we need to talk about Kimbrel. Is how are we feeling about this closer? Now he came in. They did win, but he came in. He gave up two hits and two runs, and uh, walked a guy. No strikeouts. And I think the problem with Kimbrel is one: the Dodgers are winning. You know, fourteen to one, ten to one. You know, they're winning in these games nine to four, where. You wouldn't necessarily bring in Craig Kimbrell as the closer. And so he's had these long stretches of not pitching. And I'm wondering, is that having an effect on him as he's coming in? 
because he is not lights out as we've seen before with him. Um, he is getting guy. He's getting guys walking at least one, and that can spell disaster. You walk one, you open up the door. Right, and maybe part of it is because if you don't get a lot of work down there you can get a little rusty because you don't pitch that much anyway the other thing would be that um if he is pitching it's not a high leverage situation we're getting him in there to get some work but there's not really any sense of urgency to it and right closers typically are they need that extra pressure on them yeah they need they feed into it so yeah i mean and they're getting him into games but like you said they're games that aren't really where he needs to save the game, I guess, you know, it's just to close out the game. It's just to close it um, out and just to give him some work to keep him from, from, you know, getting rusty. Right. But the problem is though, is that he shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. He should it be. Shouldn't. I mean, yeah, it shouldn't, but I think he's somebody who kind of keep an eye on, see what's going on with him because in, when I've seen him pitch, it's kind of like, ooh, it's, do we need, you know, kind of getting that Kinley vibe where we need the defibrillator, you know, next to us because <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, the, next not, the next night, Saturday night's game, Tony Gonsolin is on the mound, and Dodgers do win this game. It's close one, three to two. Um, but Tony, six innings pitched, uh, four hits, uh, did the two runs. Um, he, he gave up those two runs. But no walks, seven strikeouts for him. And I think that's a huge improvement because before sometimes he would have almost equal walks to strikeouts. And he has looked so much better. And like I said, he's five and oh. So looking really good confidence wise. And last season, um, he had the shoulder issue. And, um, you know, that obviously is, you know, not bothering him and that's taken care of and he's looking really good. So between him and, and Tyler, the two, you know, Tyler, Andy and the cat man, they're looking good on the mound. Uh, and just to mention in this game, Mookie Betts had a lead off home run. He goes two for four, Justin Turner, four for four, two doubles. And Gavin Lux with the double, he goes two for three. And the Dodgers have a 27 and five record when Mookie Betts scores a run. And so he's he done does, that in MLB leading 50 times. Yes. And it's like he doesn't need a day off. We need to put him, because guess when he had the day off? He had the day off on, in the one to nothing game against the Nationals. Right. And, you know, it's interesting when you when you look through and like I said, I kind of looked through the two weeks, the week that we were off and and that and um, and we'll explain a little bit why we were off <laughs> uh, coming up. But um, other than that, we were on assignment. The when you look at the the three big names in most of the games, it's not the homegrown guys like it used to be all the time. Right. It's Mookie, Freddie, and Trey. Yep. One, Those two, three. are the three guys that when I went through looking at who had the best games over that period of time, 
Mookie, Freddie, and Trey all had the most. You know, JT had four, CT three, four. A few of them had three. Those are the guys who are, are keeping it going and are showing that they were, they're, they've been good acquisitions. The only one now that we got to worry about is Trey getting him signed to an extension. Exactly. That can't happen soon enough, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're looking, I mean, and they're, like I said, they're one, two, and three. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't, Trey Turner, he gets a hitting streak going. And then it's like, oh, it ends at 37. And then the next night, it's he's right back at it, you know, <laughs> and it continues. It's just like keeps going. So he's the energizer this, this, bunny. He really is. And in this game, there were, I felt, there were way too many challenges by Tori Lovello. I mean, I know you get one, you win, you keep, you, it just keeps going on and on, but, but he, he won all of them. them. I know that was the problem. Well, and it, so was it base running errors? Yes. I mean, Rios and Freeman, they got, both of them got picked off at first base is very close. Part of it was the way Arizona's uh, first baseman was playing the bag, which was smart. I mean, he, he got them both times. Trey Turner was caught stealing. They just let that one go, even though he was like, how, me? How could the smoothest, you know, I'm the smooth criminal on the, <laughs> on the base pads. Um, and then Gavin Lux, he was thrown out at third after trying to tag from second base, also challenged, and they won that one. That's right. So, and, and like a dummy, he came up, he popped, he did a pop-up slide. So he yes. got to the bag and popped up. He should have just stayed on the ground. He'd have been on the base the whole time. But when he popped up, his foot came off of the bag. And the third baseman maintained the tag throughout. And when they challenged it, it was an easy overturn. Yeah, so lots of challenges in that game. I was so tired. I was like, no more challenges. Every team gets three, and when you use it, that's it. You don't get another, you know, once you use your three, you, you, um, you don't get any more, but that's not the way it works. <laughs> you get one in regular season managers get two in postseason, and, but and the you know, Tori game. Lovello and all-star game and, but Tori Lovello was using it to his advantage. I mean, I, well, most of the time you're clearly, I, I've yeah. seen, and we'll talk about challenges when we get to the angels as well. But I have seen them challenge things that when you look at it, I it's clear, even from the first time, you know, the ball went foul. Yeah, it was close to the pole, but it went foul. And you're challenging that? You've just lost your challenge. It was clearly on the other side of the pole. It didn't go past it and over. It never made it. Little things like that right. where you can clearly yeah. see if your people in the back couldn't see that on the first time fire them and get somebody who can, because they're not catching this stuff and it's costing them down the road when there is something that was a true should truly have been challenged. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, also in this game, Kevin Pillar, we've mentioned him. He was uh, has been with Oklahoma City. He was added to the roster. Um, we've mentioned this. We'll talk a little bit about um, this after, but he took Max Muncy's place because Max Muncy is finally on the IL. But let's get through Arizona first. Last game, Dodgers sweep the uh, sweep Arizona. They win the game three to one. Win the series again. Tyler Anderson on the mound. He goes six innings, uh, gives up five hits, no runs, uh, one walk, six strikeouts. So again, another great outing that the Dodgers need. They need these outings from Gonsolin and from Anderson, and they're getting it. And Gonsolin has come out and said, I talk to, you know, when I'm not pitching, I'm right next to, uh, to Kershaw. And I'm listening to what he's saying. He's helping me. Anderson is soaking it all in. Mark Pryor, he talks to him between innings. Yeah, so these guys are the top of the staff right now for the Dodgers. um, And we need that. And they Uh, need to keep that up. And you need to see Walker hasn't been terrible, but he's not been, you know, the ace that you want him to be. Julio falling behind. And you, but you need those two guys to step up a little bit more. Andrew Haney could be back sometime here by mid June, uh, if not a little sooner, but hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And we don't know when Kirsch will be back at all. But if you get Haney back and Haney pitches like he was pitching, and Anderson and uh, and uh, Gonsolin can maintain that, Walker can pick it up. Julio can return to form. You're okay. And then you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe Dustin may coming back here before long. And there's a, there's a, a lot of depth in, uh, you know, for starting pitchers, you got some other guys that, uh, you know, who knows if they'll come back. Danny Duffy, since they got him last season, has been on the IL. He might be back sometime in June as well. Will he be somebody in there? You know, I know that like Blake Trinan, who you've mentioned before, is on the IL, just got moved in May from the 10 day to the 60 day. So he won't be available until like July now. But uh, he did sign an extension, a one year extension oh, good. with the Dodgers. Yeah, that's so, so because you know. he's not going to pitch till next year, probably <laughs> the way it's going. All right. So let's talk about before we before we get to uh, the this week's uh, schedule and a player of the week. Let's talk a little bit about Max Muncy. Yeah, let's talk about Max. So he's been playing, they've been trotting him out, you know, DH, third base, has played some second base. And we see it. We know that something's not right, but they kept trotting him out there. So they're in Washington. I think he was playing third base. He hits his elbow or his arm el- you know and its elbow into like a fence on uh, trying to get a foul ball and you see him wince and it's like finally 
they're going to do something because he's, you know, even though they needed to and they, and no, of course not. They're not, you know, well, we're going to watch it. We're going to see, we're going to see what's going on. We got to talk to him and see how he feels and everyone else, all the Dodger fans uh, here, well, us here, you know, we're SRBB, put him on the IL. He's, he needs to go to Arizona. He needs to get right. Finally, they put him on the IL. Yeah, but the next day here he's hurt. Everybody sees he's hurt. Yeah. All of Twitter is going, he's going to Bonkers. the IL finally. And the next day he's at second base. Yes, that's right. Six, batting six. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think he played two more games and then they finally took him out. And, and yeah. uh, he sat, and then they said, okay, we're going to put him on the IL. And he's yeah. on the 10-day. I mean, now, just because he's on the 10-day doesn't mean in 10 days they're going to bring him off of it. He could be available after 10 days as far as, like, he could come off any time now and still be another couple of weeks. Uh, right. You know, they don't want him to be a couple of months because it might. Right, and I think that we all kind of got the – say the wool pulled over our eyes like oh you know the Dodgers knew that they were you know going into the postseason and maybe they were covering their eyes or you know blah, 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 nothing's happening here kind of attitude because I don't think that anybody really knew the extent of his injury he had a torn UCL a uh, UCL did not have surgery obviously with the lockout was not not able to train or get you know physical therapy um through the team you know obviously he could outside but he didn't he couldn't talk to trainers he couldn't do those things so does that uh, has that affected him i think yes it affected him and we saw we've seen him through this first you know part of the season and he didn't look good and not only is it elbow but mentally also like you said there's something that's not right with Max. He's got a mojo about him that we love, but it's not there. No, and here's the thing that gets me, though, is that all along, keep getting that. He's fine. Everything's good. And then once they put him on the IL, Dave Roberts says his elbow's been bothering him all season. (laughs) Really? You just figured this out? If you've if you've known this, how come I don't care what Max thinks? You've invested money into Max. Yes, he wants to be out there. He's a competitor. You want that side of it. He's still got a good eye. He's getting on base, but you need more than a 150 batting average and leading the league in walks. Yeah, you know? definitely. I don't. I don't. Well, he's got like three home runs or something like that on the season. I haven't looked, but it's very it's low I, for him. Yeah, it's average, really low. You know, the last couple of seasons he's had 35. How come this wasn't something that they did a while back? I, I think the Dodgers have, uh, you know, they shot themselves in the foot on this one by not making a point to say, look, you really need to get this looked at or it needs to be rehabbed further. Well, it's spring training. We know it was abbreviated. But even in spring pra- training, he said it's 85%. His elbow was 85%. So at no point, I don't think that he should have ever been on the um, opening day roster or lineup, at least. Shouldn't have been in there. If it's 85%, you don't want to put somebody in there 
that's 85% when they should be 100%. He, he needed wasn't that even extended. 85%. No, I think that was an exaggeration also. No, it was. He it wasn't was, he wasn't even 85%. That was no. that was wishful thinking. Yeah. So, well, luckily he's out now. Kevin Pilar is in and hopefully we'll see, you know, him fully contribute. Well, he made a really great play in Sunday's game. He was in the lineup. Uh, defensively, he made a, a great play in uh, left field, uh, which he's known for. Uh, at the plate, you know, he's still working that out, but um, defensively looked really good, you know, got, a, uh, got an out on a diving catch. Um, one thing I want to mention in this game, the, the game before we talked about Gavin Lux pop you know popped up after the slide wasn't on the base at that point because he popped up same thing happened in this sunday game he hugged that base he went head first and hugged third base <laughs> he was not letting go um so it didn't happen again and that just made me laugh uh that he... the only time that <laughs> the only time that a player should be doing a pop-up slide second base Right. And you could do it at third when you're when you're not expecting a throw or you're you know, you slide in there and a pop right. up because because you're you've beaten the throw that badly that they're not going to mm-hmm. get you. And then that way, if there's an error on it, it's overthrown or whatever. And you've got a chance to go. It's not like, oh, I got to right. scramble to my feet. That's the only time. Otherwise, if you know it's coming and and your third base coach, if Dino Ebel is down there saying, get down. That's to get, get down. down and don't get back up. Don't right. pop up. Well, he learned the lesson and on Sunday he was hugging the he was not popping up anywhere. So I <laughs> he made up for it, I guess. But yeah, a, a base running there. Um that's kind of I say costly because the Dodgers won that Saturday game, but they could have uh gotten another run in that game. So but yeah, so the Dodgers are looking good no more at least for now funeral music for the Dodgers segment because it was uh, very depressing not for now but it could happen again because they have to play the Pirates again I know another Pennsylvania team and uh they gotta play the Pirates and the Pirates Pirates seem energized when they play the Dodgers now the last time they got whooped up on in Pittsburgh. They come home. Philadelphia whooped up in, in their own park. But mm-hmm. then the Dodgers got even with the Phillies in Philadelphia. Question is, will that opposite be true when the Pirates come in? Will the Dodgers say, well, you got us at your house, but this is our house? Or... Yeah, we'll... S- yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they might have their number. Yeah, so the Pirates come in for three, and then the Mets uh, come in for four. So that will be good series. Um, you think a good series with the Pirates. But, yeah, I mean, the Pirates, when they play the Dodgers, they, they're scrappy. And when you're a team that isn't expected to do much, what do they have to lose? Right. All right, so we'll uh, we'll take a look at those games next week. How about uh, Player of the Week? Who do you have? 
Mookie Betts. He is my <laughs> player of the week. 11 for 25, 440 batting average, eight RBIs, four home runs, two doubles. I don't know how many runs he scored, a gazillion. This guy is on fire, needs to be in the lineup every night. Well, like I said, I looked at the two-week period, and I came up with Mookie as well. Over 13 games, he was 21 for 50 for 420 batting average. Six doubles, 700, seven home runs. <laughs> it felt like 700. 15 RBIs, and he scored 20 runs over that two-week period. So, obviously, Mookie was the guy. My my um, my runner-up this week would have been Trey followed by Freddie. Yeah, I, I would have gone the same way. But, yeah, looking at – once you look through there, you look through that lineup, uh, is Mookie, Mookie this week. So a possible player of the week, maybe in the future, but our old friend Petey is back. Pedro Baez has signed a minor league deal with the Dodgers, and he's back. Go ahead and put on your dark clothing. Lower your heads. A moment of silence. So when we were talking about the Dodgers, now the Dodgers had the same team And like I said, I'm talking about two weeks worth. The Dodger had the same team on the front end and the back end, and they swept the Diamondbacks all seven of those games. The Angels were swept by the team on the front end of the two weeks, as well as the team on the back end of the two weeks. Now, the the sweep uh, in the last series versus the Blue Jays could have very well not been that way. The Angels did come back take a lead and we'll get to what's going on with the angels in a second. I, you know, honestly, I didn't go back. Normally I go game by game. I did go game by game to see who was doing what. So I could look at my player of the week, but for the most part, cue mortuary music. Now reversal of fortune, Jeremy Irons, who was the lead actor in that movie uh, must've taken over running the angels and they changed from being 10 games over 500 we have to say that as of sunday they're only five games over so they're still in second place but the problem is is that you got to keep up with the asterisks because the asterisks are building enough of a lead that if they do have a bad stretch it's going to still be tough to overtake them i i'm we got to talk about this one the first game out they're playing texas in texas thor is on the mound and you just expect it's going to be a decent game maybe they win maybe they don't but you expect he's going to be decent two-thirds of an inning he gave up four runs on eight hits and he was out they just they just couldn't get anything going they weren't able and and the problem right now with the angels is over their over their two week period, they were three and nine. This last week, they were one and five. And the Rangers, basically, they had the Rangers. I think we talked about it. It was Oakland, then it was the Rangers, then it was Oakland, then it was the Rangers, then it was Toronto. And the Rangers pretty much owned them. The Rangers aren't. They're in third place right now because they've been on a winning streak. They're starting to look like the team that we thought maybe they would be. The second time around with the Rangers, it was an ex-Angel who had their number in Cole Calhoun. Corey Seager had decent, their pitching is starting to pick up. And if the Angels don't watch it, they're going to end up 
on the outside looking in because they're just not and it's all and their starting pitching's been okay not great it's been the relief team the bullpen followed by Aaron Loop there was a moment the Angels were behind versus the Blue Jays they get they, they, they take the lead and Aaron Loop who's been giving up runs like it's some sort of a free promotion come down get a coupon for a free run and all of a sudden Joe Madden is taking a page out of the Dave Roberts playbook going I gotta get him out there again redemption and what does Aaron Loop do gives up the lead but it's not just him Ryan Tapera can't throw strikes Rizel Iglesias two blown saves there's not a lot happening Mike Myers DFA'd they finally just said we've had enough I mean they've made some changes but they just they're not playing very well three of nine over this two week two week period they're they're looking after all of that good stuff that happened a five in one week uh, uh, a four and two week before that it's falling apart right now they're still over 500 they're in second place they have a winning record 27 and 22 as of the weekend but bad bad outing by Syndergaard however the next time he pitched eight innings pitched Gave up one run, struck out five. Said he had lost his hammer, but he had found it again. And it looked like it. Plus, he's got a movie coming out this summer. Yes. Looks like it's more of a comedy than it is a superhero (laughs) movie. (laughs) Thor Uh, in love. It might be. I don't know. (laughs) Well... Also in that first game where, you know, uh, Thor comes back and pitches those eight innings. Um, you also, you know, you have Mike Trout, two for four. Um, Jared Walsh, two for four. Matt Duffy, two for four. Brandon Marsh, three for four. Uh, Max Stassi, two for four. So it's like that's what you need in the lineup. And then you go to the next game and you're like, uh, what happened to Trout? Um, what happened to Otani? What happened, you know, where, where, what happened to Cape, Captain Caveman? <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Well, because they're not, they're not going consistently like they were the week before where everybody was, was right. doing that. Um, you know, when I went through Anthony Rendon, who's been an issue, had a couple of good games over this couple of weeks span, uh, Captain Caveman had two or three decent games. If it was just Taylor Ward ran into a wall, had some shoulder issues. And if it hadn't been that before that they were already not winning, I would say that maybe played a part in it, but he was out. He came back. He had a couple of decent games when he came back out, but it's been a lot of the pitching. And then another issue is, I was kind of excited about this because I was thinking this might be a good deal. Juan Lagares, who was with the team last year, didn't get picked up this year, was signed because they need some extra outfielders. Taylor Ward's gone. Joe Adele, 
and I'll bring him up when we talk around baseball, not ready to come back, it doesn't seem. Uh, Max Stassi comes back off of the uh, the IL. Chad Wallach, who started off pretty well, faded out, so they sent him back. Kurt Suzuki, who during uh, had a scary moment uh, during the Toronto series, out during warmups, Michael Lorenzen is pitching, uh, throws one, it bounces uh, a bouncer, bounces in and up, hits uh, Suzuki in the neck, and I'm assuming based on what happened that it must have hit him around the carotid area, and shut off blood flow for just long enough, because he said, "I got down. I remember hitting the steps of the dugout because they helped him in." He goes, and I passed out. Next thing I know, I'm in the tunnel. It's pretty scary. It turned out that. He was fine, no concussions, no seemingly no long-term issues, just a contusion. Uh, so lucky for him, but he's not even been, he's a good guy to have in there for like the dugout and stuff. He's a good teammate, he's, you know, he's a veteran, but he's, we need somebody else. Max Stassi comes in, he's been doing well. There's just a lot that's not going right. And having you know you can't you got to have like the the dodgers they've had more good than bad that's why they're at the top of the league the angels went through a good two-week period and now they've had two bad weeks and we've seen it before where they don't recover very quickly so what's going to happen and now they're going to have to take on the best team in the american league what happens patrick sandoval had a pretty good outing one good outing seven and a third only gave up a run struck out seven Michael Lorenzen had a couple of six inning outings no runs in one three runs in the other one they just but they just kept giving things up and to go back to Juan Lagares he was an error machine he didn't hit anything I think he had a single but he kept making errors after misplaying balls in right field and against the Blue Jays, that was a bad, it was just bad. You can't, the Blue Jays are just, you know, Vladdy Jr. made him pay, made Shohei pay, hit a home run off of him. Um, George Springer, which I got to bring this up. George Springer came up and it was in a, the mid innings and people were chanting, chanting at him just as loudly as they did at Altuve when the Asterix were in town. Cheater, 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 and booing him. They did him more than Bregman. And, of course, he hit a home run during that series. Of course, right? Well, so, I would say during this this uh, series with the Blue Jays, you know, like you said, they just gave things up. I mean, the first game was 6-3. to three. Every game after was close, you know, a six to five, 11 to 10. Right. They would come back four to three later in the game. So the Blue Jays scored early in every game. In fact, I, and I don't remember about Sunday, but the first run, they got their first run in the first inning of every game. Yeah. And then, and then the Angels. As you can hear by that, especially that 11 to 10 game, they took the lead. Then they lost the lead. 
Then they took it back and then they lost it and then they couldn't ever get it back again. And it wasn't necessarily the offense. It was the pitching couldn't hold them down. And that, that was just, that was just the end of it for them. Three and nine week. Can they overcome it? They we've seen what they're capable of. Their, their lineup offensively, they can run with anybody when they're on it. Not too many teams are better. Yeah. I mean, but when you look at this series, um, in the 11 to 10 game, Mike Trout 0 for 5. Right. Um, and, and this is something that it, happened with Mike Trout is that in two of the games, back-to-back games, for the first time since 2017, he didn't get on base in two games, in back-to-back games, consecutive games, mm-hmm. since 2017. But yeah, that's crazy. The other games, he wasn't. They weren't stopping him. I mean, he had he had a good you know week, a good two weeks, but when only one player, that's kind of what happened last season. He wasn't there. Jared Walsh did what he could last year to help, but Shohei shouldered a lot of that load. Shohei has his moments where it seems like he's about to break out on something and then doesn't. Same thing for. I mean, Rendon looked like he was on his way, but now that's not going to happen anytime soon. We have seen Squid. Andrew Velasquez has picked it up a little bit. Tyler Wade got his very first home run of the season uh, over these series. Um, Shohei has 11 home runs on the season, so he's not not doing anything. It's just not consistent. Mike Trout's got 13 home runs. Matt Duffy had a few games since he's been back off that and had a couple of games that uh, he helped out. They're like we've talked about with the Dodgers. You've got a lot of big bats. you got guys that you didn't expect to do well. Luis Renjifo has been hitting very well and been playing really well. Right now, he and Andrew Velasquez are kind of going to make it hard for Fletcher to come back. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking about Fletcher and when he does come back, what's his role going to be? Because right. there's not yeah. a place for him right now. They always say you can't lose your job to injury, but when these guys are playing so well and you weren't when you got injured, I don't see how you can go around it. Anyway, it's just it was a tough couple of weeks. Can they overcome it? Yeah, we know they can. We've seen what they're able to do. I think a lot of whatever happens versus the Yankees, who they have next, in the Bronx. And then, see, here's where somebody did good scheduling. They leave the Bronx, and they go to Philadelphia. It's a quick train ride. What happens while they're there on the East Coast can really make a difference in you know, where we go from here. We're at about, we've, we made it through the first two months of the season. So we're a third of the way through. They come home, they've got Boston. Who knows what's going on with Boston? They got some great players too, but they're falling apart and they have pitching issues also. Yeah. So there's a lot to, to consider, but they just, the pitching, it's got, we got to get the bullpen right. That's the biggest problem. And that was the thing that everybody was so excited about. But the starters have done pretty well. And when you look at it, you know, Silseth in his two games have pitched pretty well. He pitched six innings. Otani 
did six innings in a good game, seven Ks, two runs. The next game versus Toronto, six innings, gave up five runs. Lorenzen, six innings, two six innings. You know, Sandoval, seven innings. Syndergaard with eight after that disaster. So we're seeing Reed Detmers, I think he had like a four-inning game. But we need to see those guys continue to throw those five, six-inning games, and then we need to see the bullpen get over whatever the problem is. Yeah, because that bullpen has done, you know, pretty well, and uh, they've just kind of imploded for whatever reason, you know, is going on there. So, yeah, we'll see. So before we uh, we get to our player of the week for the Angels, a couple of things uh, kind of funny. Um, number one, their City Connect jerseys have been exposed, and they're kind of funny. They're not really, I, I don't know. I, I It seems like they're, you know, the company softball team. The hats are terrible. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where they connect to um if they're what supposed city, to connect what? i they just have like a funky font you know and then this uh like a diamond with the number in the middle of it if they'd have like, done the disney font that would connect right. them to anaheim and all that but they, there's no we don't have any idea what Maybe somebody can explain it to us. And we'll talk about another one that came out when we get to around baseball that looked a lot better. And actually, you could tell what the connection was. Yes. Yeah. But this this one, other, I mean, and they took a picture standing on the beach. How far are they from the beach? Ten miles. <laughs> you know, Okay. I mean, they're well, close. I'll give them that. County, but <laughs> that still doesn't. The only cool thing about that picture is, is that uh, Syndergaard was the only one that's barefoot on the beach. Right. Uh, yeah. That Lorenzen's was good, but... out there. He's got his vans on. Mm-hmm. And then Trout and Walsh, Jared Walsh. We'll find it. We'll post it up on uh, on our um, on uh, on Twitter and uh, at sibling rivalry BB without the A Facebook and Instagram at sibling rivalry BB with the A, and we'll put that up there so you can see the picture of their stuff. Now, before we get to the funniest thing that I've seen happen in baseball in a while, we were talking about challenges and how Tori Lavolo had a bunch of them. They all worked. Joe Madden this season has challenged 14 times. Any idea how many times he's been successful with his challenges? I'm going to say zero. No, he's a little better than that, but you're (laughs) on the right track three times out of 14. And it's, Mm. that's the, and when I was mentioning about the other night, there was a ball, it went foul. It was clearly foul. And they challenged it. They lost the challenge. No more challenges. Now, I don't remember that there was anything else that mattered in that game where they should. But but if I really went back and rewatched it, there might have been. And they didn't have any. You know, it's like what what good was that when then you put Aaron Loop back in when you know Aaron Loop is having problems. You put Ryan Tapera in and Tapera can't hit the strike zone all right finally during the toronto series shohei's pitching 
and uh, comes over on a uh, on a ball uh, hit by Rymel Tapia, who's a speedster. Remember him? He used to play for Colorado. Shohei scoops it up, runs over, and instead of going to the base, just gets between Tapia and the base. And Tapia just stops, like, don't touch me. Starts to go out around him a little bit. During that same moment, Shohei does a sweeping motion towards the dugout, like, there you go. That direction, that's where you need to go. And that was uh, that was a pretty funny moment. A little levity for uh, for what's been going on with the Angels. All right, uh, any player of the week for you? Uh, yeah, actually, I do have a player of the week, and I went with Max Stassi. Uh, I went through everything, and um, you know, there were a couple of games where. Uh, he came in, I think, for Suzuki, and he went like 0 for 2 in that game. But after that, he had a 421 uh, batting average over the games that he did play. He had three RBIs. He had a double. He had a home run. Um, he seemed like a bright spot for the Angels. So I went with uh, Max Stassi. Sassy Stassy, as I like to call him. Yeah, he did. He did have some good games uh, coming back off of uh, the IL. Uh, my player of the week. Once again, I looked at two weeks worth to see who was uh, who was doing this. this. Guy played in twelve games, fifteen for forty nine, had four doubles, four home runs, and eight RBIs. So he hit over over three hundred during this time frame. Probably the only truly consistent angel through this two week period, and that's Mike Trout. And he did that even with two games of not being on, getting on base. So, and like I said, two games where he was 0 for 4 and 0 for 5. Right. And he's still, he's, uh, he's up in the top of, of uh, war for the American League. And uh, he's just being Mike Trout. Yeah, that's it. And now on a governmental note, I want to uh, let, Everyone know that in a unanimous vote, the Anaheim City Council ruled against selling the 150-acre Angel Stadium site to a management company that is that was created by Angels owner Artie Marino. So probably a good um, call by the City Council. Well, now the Anaheim mayor resigned over all of this. And a lot of this happened because the state got involved. There was already conversations about affordable housing and all of that. Honestly, one of the things I like now, I'm they can do what they want to do with it. But one of the things I always like about going to Angel Stadium is they've got a humongous parking lot. And the plans would have taken away most of the parking lot. They may have built a new stadium. They may not have. But the parking would have gone from easy in, easy out to, are you kidding me? Or you have to park, you know, miles away and take a shuttle to Artie the wasn't going to have a shuttle going. Well, There's somebody no will. Somebody with yeah, the, but you know, it, but a bus. But then you pay for it. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to mention that on the on the uh, political note for the Angels. Yes, whoever's calling that you know is asking for challenges on that particular deal is more successful than Joe Madden. <laughs>
All right, we're turning on the machine for the wheel so we can get that ready to go here in just a few seconds. Uh, in the meantime, we already talked about Division One baseball, which normally leads off around baseball. A couple of things that uh, that I noticed. Uh, I told you I'd talk about Joe Adele. Joe Adele has missed uh, a few games recently. His batting average has dropped to like 245. He just doesn't seem like he's really even playing that well there. So, and then the other thing that happened, Sam Bachman, who was last year's number one pick for the Angels, finally got a start. He had been out on the injured list to start the season, pitched okay, had another outing, okay. He's probably on... The IL coming up to back spasms. He just, he, he would started out, pitched a couple of innings and just threw a lot of pitches and called the trainer out and was like, I can't, my concern with him is, is that it's not like he's having arm problems and you can just go get Tommy John and then work your way back through it. He's got back problems that seem to continually be a problem. And we've seen what happened with like Kershaw since the back problems have really been a thing it's really limited at him and it makes me not so it makes me concerned about what he's going to end up doing uh, a couple other things that uh, noticed former angel justin upton finally has a job dfa'd uh, out of uh, spring training really and uh, by the angels signed with seattle He's gone to Arizona for extended spring training. Not sure when he'll make his debut with the Mariners, but uh, they don't care. They don't have to pay him that much anyway. Nope. Just prorated off of the 700 grand. But it is a major league contract. That's all he could sign him to. They couldn't sign him to a minor league contract because he was DFA'd. A couple of other things. Dallas Keuchel, DFA'd, former Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, you know, he his first eight starts of this season, uh, 7.88 ERA, uh, has as many walks as strikeouts over 32 innings. He has 20 walks during that time. You know, if he clears waivers and he's released, then he, you know, he could be he could be signed, but then the team would only have to play him the prorated minimum salary because if he, you know, if he didn't clear the waivers, which I mean, he probably is going to obviously, but then if a team had picked him up, then they would, he, he still owed like $14 million. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure I'll end up somewhere. I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, cause you think it's Dallas Keuchel, but will he? Somebody's going to take a chance on him because they don't have to put a lot of money into it. And if yeah. he's, you know, if he's not doing well, they'll just let him go. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Fairly risk free for them at this point. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. So I think we need to get this out of the way. When fantasy football causes issues during batting practice in Cincinnati. Oh, Tommy Pham. I mean, he has been knifed outside of a strip club and now he is slapping 
Jock Peterson on the field during batting practice when the Giants were in town. Yeah, I mean, he just goes up to him and he he smacks him. Uh, Jocelyn said that uh, Pham approached him in the outfield and uh, he said he was upset. Tommy Pham was upset over a past dispute in a fantasy football league from over a year ago. So he's been holding this in. He's like, oh, I'm just the right moment. When's the right moment, <laughs> I guess. Um, and it was based on what players were or weren't allowed to be placed on the injured reserve list as per the fantasy league's rules. I don't play fantasy football. I know you have in the past. What's your take on that? Well, that that's a little different than what I played as far as like that. But the idea was, was that, and I get it because you want to do this sometimes is that you want to keep people from in any fantasy league. You want to have the best players. And if you can, you know, it's like playing cards. You hold a card that you figure somebody else wants, even though it doesn't help you just to keep somebody else from getting it. Right. And that was kind of what Tommy Pham was saying was that Jocelyn was stashing players. And it just now it popped in my head. Dad used to always say we were playing pool. He said, I don't care if I win. I'm just not going to leave you anything to beat me with. And he, when you're shooting, he would leave it and he'd hit it. I'm not going to make the shot, but I'm going to make sure that you don't have a shot either. Mm -hmm. And that was what he basically accused Jocelyn of was taking these players and stashing them away so they couldn't be picked up on the waiver wire or, you know, free agents if they were. And then it also came out that, and, and Jocelyn, Jocelyn did just to finish the, that out. Jocelyn did say, I read the rules. I even sent it and the commissioner of their league backed it up or whatever, that it was okay to do that. And the guy was actually on the injured reserve. Usually you can hold on to those players all you want. They go on injured reserve. But if you hold on to them in a lot of leagues, then that's somebody that you're never going to get to play. And they just take up a spot on your roster. So you give them up because you know they're not coming off anytime soon. And you pick up somebody else. Every rule, you know, a lot of the leagues, and especially when you're playing for money, sometimes that. And that was supposed to be some amount of money. I don't know how much. Uh, he made it seem like, you know, he was going to lose his paycheck out of, uh, you know, over it. The way the Tommy Pham let it be. But then it also came up because this happened. Tommy Pham is playing with the, uh, the Padres at the time. And Jocelyn sent. And now Jocelyn's not on either team at that point, is he? He was with the Cubs, I think, when this or it was yeah. before that, but Jocelyn sent a, uh, a meme or a, or a gif or a gif or whatever it is um, of three like weightlifters. And they had those um, kettlebell kind of weights. And over top of them, one says LA, one says FF and one says San Diego. And he thought it was funny. He just said, you know, San Diego was supposed to be, they were a great team on paper, but they fell apart. And in the, and in this animated, uh, you know, meme in this gif, 
they're the three weightlifters throw the they throw that kettlebell up and it's supposed to go back behind them. Well, the other two throw it up and San Francisco and L.A., their weightlifters go behind them. And the one that had SD over top of it, it fell down on the head of the weightlifter and they're like collapsed to the ground to which Tommy Pham found offensive. Right. It was disrespectful. Yes. And he didn't like it. And, you know, he's not on the uh, the Padres anymore. Um, he is on the Reds. But, you know, at the time, he found that very disrespectful. And so he felt that he needed to uh, slap Jocelyn. Um, the headlines were Tommy Pham uh, slaps Jocelyn Will Smith style. So. <laughs> right. That was it. So. I don't know if this has anything to do with it. I don't think so because they were already on their way. But Cincinnati is no longer the worst team. They're in double-digit wins at 16 and 31. They're only three games behind, actually like two and a half games behind the Chicago Cubs. And in their division, they're only 14 and a half games out behind Milwaukee, whereas Washington has a better record by a couple of games is 15 games behind the Mets. So could things turn around for the Reds? Yeah. And could it be because of the slap? Could that uh, fire him up? Tommy fam got him fired up and ready to go. (laughs) Okay. Before we, uh, we start uh, firing up the wheel. Let's take a look at uh, this week's MLB Players of the Week. And I believe these guys used to be teammates. They were the AL Player of the Week. Uh, For the second time this season is Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, He had three home runs, 11 RBIs, three steals, three walks, and only one strikeout. Uh, Seven of his eight hits went for extra bases. And along with being tied for the league lead in triples, which is four, he leads all of baseball with 51 RBIs, and he became the first player to reach 50 RBIs this season. He's batting 297 on the year with 13 home runs, 11 doubles, six steals, and 28 runs scored, while only striking out 15 times. And then we head east, where his uh, former teammate is now playing, and that would be the Mets' Francisco Lindor, who uh, garnered NL Player of the Week. Uh, He's batting 348. He drove in a run in every game last week, um, and he's recorded an RBI in eight straight games. Uh, The best game of the week for him uh, came in a loss against the Mets, um, the 13-12 a loss to the Giants. Um, He recorded a triple, a home run, six RBIs, and he finished with 14 RBIs over the week span to go along with two doubles, two triples, and two home runs. And on the season, um, the switch hitting, he's a switch hitter shortstop. He's batting 262 with eight home runs, 40 RBIs for a Mets team that uh, is looking pretty good. Leading the NL East, for sure. Of course, they were leading the NL East last season for a while, and then they fell off. 
All right, so we got uh, we got a couple of guys that are retiring, but first, it's time to spin that wheel. Oh, I am. Now this guy, <laughs> this guy has been on the IL since April, but I want to mention him again. It's Eddie Rosario of the Braves. When he was at the plate, you're like, man, what has happened to Eddie Rosario? Well, he underwent surgery to correct blurred vision. He thought that he needed, you know, contacts. He needed a prescription change, but instead. Uh, he had a swollen right eye um, and blurred vision. Not, still not sure exactly what is causing this. Um, he's expected to be out eight, eight to 12 weeks, um, and he still has not regained full vision in his right eye. So some scary stuff for Eddie Rosario. So wish him good health as he's uh, you know, battling with that eye surgery, and you got to be able to see to hit the ball. So, yeah, so I wanted to mention that because I – you know, we mentioned him before, but not the extent of what was going on with him. Seiya Suzuki of the Cubs is on the IL with a finger injury. Uh, his teammate Wade Miley has joined him with a left shoulder strain. And then we go to the south side. Tim Anderson has a groin injury, so he is out. And uh, we'll see how that affects the White Sox because it seems like Tim Anderson's always on base somewhere. And uh, then also Joe Kelly started on the IL, back on the IL with a strained left hamstring. Head down to Houston where you have well, Jose Altuve. Oh, before go ahead. you go there, the Dodgers are supposed to match up with the White Sox. And unfortunately, Mariachi Joe will not be available to pitch against his former team. Would he wear the mariachi jacket on the mound? Could he? No, I don't think that's allowed, but it would be pretty cool. What if he wore it if he was available? He wore it out of the bullpen and then took it off. I wonder if you could do that. That would be like wrestlers. They wear the robes or they wear something. Yeah. That would wrestlers. Be cool. Yeah. Well, we might have to wait for that Obviously. <laughs> another time. Well, yeah. They, they, I um, think they play each other again. In the interleague this year, I'm not sure off the look of that because sometimes you only play certain teams once. So. Right. Yes. Yeah, so if we go down to Houston, Jose Altuve and Kyle Tucker, two of your favorite asterisks, they are listed day to day. Altuve had a uh, concussion symptoms, and Tucker has a sore left foot. So we'll see. Will they continue to be day to day? Or will they eventually be put on the 10-day IL? Zach Grinke has a right flexor strain. Uh, we mentioned um, Anthony Rendon. You know, he had the hip surgery last season. Now he has wrist inflammation. So he's on the 10-day IL. Cody Bellinger, um, if you've been watching Dodger games, might not have seen Cody in center. He is day-to-day -day with a left adductor strain. That is layman's terms a hip strain. Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers is on the 15-day IL with a high ankle sprain. Luis Perdomo, also of the Brewers, is on the IL with a right elbow effusion. Had to look that one up. What is an effusion? Fluid buildup. So he has fluid buildup in his right elbow. Carlos Correa is on the COVID-19 IL. And 
Yoshi Tis, uh, Tisugo has a lumbar muscle strain. So when the Pirates um, are playing the Dodgers, he will be on the bench. Brandon Belt, who's been on the IL, has a knee sprain. Wander Franco of the Rays with a strained quadricept. Brandon Lau, a stress reaction in his back. Kyle Freeland of the Rockies has an ankle sprain. Chris Bryant, back on the IL. He was on the IL, did a rehab stint with the isotopes when they were playing the Salt Lake Bees in Salt Lake City, and then is back on the IL. And then Austin Meadows um, of the Tigers. The Austins in baseball seem to be doing really well, but he has vertigo symptoms. I think that's a first for the Wheel of IL. Um, he did attempt to return to play, but he experienced vertigo symptoms during a game. So he's back on the IL. And I saved this one for last because I know how much you love this. Max Scherzer is out six to eight weeks with an oblique injury. Oblique, oblique, on my side. All right, you want to you uh, follow up and spin the little wheel of retirement? Uh, sure. The Wheel of Retirement has J.A. Happ and Joe Panic are both on that wheel. J.A. Happ retired after 15 seasons in the majors. He played on the Phillies. He's actually, that's who he was drafted by, the Blue Jays and the Yankees. And then Joe Panic, of course, we know him as a Giant, won the World Series with the Giants in 2014. He's retired after eight major league seasons. He played with the Giants, the Mets, the Blue Jays, and the Marlins. So they are both going out to pasture. And then one last retirement. One of our favorite relief pitchers of all time, even though he was a catcher, Russell Martin, has uh, announced he hasn't played since 2019, uh, but he just finally realized he's not going to play again and uh, and announced his retirement after time with, uh, with the Dodgers and the Blue Jays and the Yankees. And I was hoping that he didn't retire and then we didn't if we put him on the will of retirement uh, you know this little will that maybe he could come back and be in the bullpen he could always pull a tom brady he could that's true why not i mean one of the best bull one of the best uh you know relievers for the dodgers he will retire with a 0.00 era And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Thanks for for hanging out with us. Just so you know, part of the reason why things didn't work out last week is that uh, for the last couple of years during COVID, I was was a COVID uh, unemployed, and now I have a job. And then the other thing was, is when we normally record the show, we both were going to the movies. Now, mine... I'll talk a little bit more next week about, but I went to see Facing Nolan about Nolan Ryan. And Jana, I guess kind of, you could say that you went to see a similar movie because Nolan Ryan was a top gun. He and was, he was I... kind of a maverick from Texas <laughs> and he did stuff that nobody else did. 
So while I was doing things that were show related, she went to go I, see Top Gun. Of course, I went and saw it this week, this last weekend as well. So anyway. Well, well I had to, you know, it's one of those things. I had to go, got advanced tickets. One of the reasons why Planet Head joined the Air Force was because of Top Gun back in 1986. And he was geeking out. Um, not as much as the guy who announced to everyone, oh, I'm setting in seat F-14. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about uh, that next week. Both of them, we can do that. Uh, as we both seen uh, Top Top Gun and I was, uh, I was in F row as well, but I was like F-8. Ah. Oh. So that would have been cool if I was in F-18 because they did fly F-18s in the movie. Yeah, anyway, we can start a new SRBB movie review. Yes, Is it certified SRBB? Certified like uh, Rotten Tomatoes, certified whatever percentage. All right, That's so it. next week uh, we'll uh, we'll check in on uh, the baseball uh, championships, the, uh, the regionals, and we'll see if anything has changed for the Dodgers or the Angels. And, of course, another look around baseball. We'll see you next week. Remember to swing away.